Welcome to Bible Study Made Easy. This episode is all about heaven. Death is the penalty for sin, and because we are all infected with the disease of sin, we are all subject to death. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 23. Death was never part of God's original plan. God told Adam and Eve, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it you will surely die, Genesis 2 16-17. Satan was determined to make what was forbidden look attractive to Adam and Eve. The sin they committed was disobedience to God. And in time, they died, as God had warned. Satan's lie that they would be like God overpowered them and made them forget all the provisions God had graciously given them, Genesis 3 5-7. This is the sin that saturates our hearts to this day, to believe Satan's deceitful lies instead of respecting and honoring God's gracious gifts. Death is the common lot of every living thing, people, plants, and animals. Death afflicts all creation. From the moment a child is born, the dying process, and the fight against it, begins. But God, in His great love, made it possible for us to have victory over death, in spite of the fact that we must walk through it. The Bible tells us that death cannot separate believers in Jesus Christ from the love of God, Romans 8:38-39. The Bible also says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, so that you and your children may live. For the Lord is your life, Deuteronomy 30 19-20. The death of the righteous is not to be feared or shunned. It is the shadowed threshold to heaven, the palace of God. Afraid of dying. We are afraid to die because we cannot see beyond this present world. Death reduces all of us to the same rank. It strips the rich of their millions and the poor of their rags. Death knows no age limits, no partiality. It is that which all men fear. For some, it is the process of dying that is so frightful, even the most devout are susceptible to this fear. King David said, Terrors of death assail me, Psalm 55 4. The disciples cried out to the Lord, Save us. We're going to drown. Matthew 8:25. For others it is the uncertainty of what happens after they die, so that death carries with it a sense of dread. It is the enemy the great, mysterious monster that makes people quake with fear. Yet when it came time for David to die, he expressed assurance of the afterlife and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay, Acts 2:31. The disciples, who had once feared death on the Sea of Galilee, crisscrossed the world proclaiming that death had been swallowed up in victory because of Christ's resurrection. Why live in a sea of despair when you can live knowing that, after death, life can be experienced as it was originally intended, in fellowship with our Creator and our Lord? This is the confidence that Christians possess. Death marks the beginning of a new and wonderful life in heaven with Christ that will last forever. To the believer, death is merely the gateway to eternal life, where underneath are the everlasting arms, Deuteronomy 33:27. God has promised to take us to Himself when we die. The Bible says, we know that if the earthly tent we live in, our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, 2 Corinthians 5 1. Jesus said our souls, which are His very creation, are more valuable to Him than all the rest of the world put together.
The Bible teaches us that our bodies are flesh and bone, and they will die eventually, but that we also are immortal, eternal souls. The soul, or spirit, includes our conscience, as well as the part of us that thinks, feels, and dreams. It will never die, but will live forever in either heaven or hell. Most of all, through our souls we can know God and have fellowship with Him. When God created Adam, He formed His body from the dust of the ground. That body was not living until God breathed into it the breath of life, and the man became a living being, Genesis 2-7. When a person dies, the body gives up the ravages of age and disease to decay, but the spirit, soul, returns to its maker, dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it, Ecclesiastes 12-7. Paul declared that to be in heaven is to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5-8. To recognize the separation of body and soul cannot be comprehended as we have an infinite mind. The body will be buried in the earth awaiting the final resurrection, but the soul will be in God's care. We may spend all of our time pampering our bodies, but if we ignore our souls, we will end up spiritually starved. While we're here, we must take care of our souls, and God's treasure, by feeding on the Word of God, for our soul is the only thing we can take out of our earthly experience to heaven. The Bible teaches to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5-8 New King James Version. The Apostle Paul, writing in the midst of his struggles in prison, yearned for the glories that awaited him when his body would be killed and he would be in the Lord's presence, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, Philippians 1 The Apostle John had a different experience in prison. When he was given a vision of heaven, he described the glimpse he had of the souls of those who had been slain because of the Word of God, Revelation 6-9. These were Christian martyrs, and John heard them crying out and asking when the Lord would avenge their blood. John heard the voice say to them, Rest a little while longer, verse 611 King James Version. Here is a picture of souls at rest in the presence of God. While their bodies are still in the grave awaiting the final resurrection, God's Spirit comforts their spirits because He is the God of all comfort. Jesus said, God, is not the God of the dead, but of the living, Mark 12 27. One of the comforts of being a Christian is the glorious hope that extends beyond the grave into the glory of God's tomorrow. As Jesus declared to the repentant criminal who was crucified with him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise, Luke 23:43. emphasis added. Do angels take us to heaven? We actually have a glimpse of this in the story Jesus told of the rich man and the beggar named Lazarus. When the beggar died, Jesus said, the angels carried him to Abraham's side, another term for heaven, Luke 16 22. Many accounts tell of dying saints being at peace because of this angelic presence. The Lord is the God of all comfort, and He employs His heavenly army of angels to bring warnings of danger, tidings of joy, and messages of peace. The Bible calls them ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation, Hebrews 1 14. Believing that God will send these angelic comforters to escort us out of this world and into the next should give great peace to our souls. The Bible says, The Lord shall preserve your soul. He shall preserve your going out and your coming in, Psalm 121 7-8 King James Version. We must remember, however, 
that while God's angels provide comfort and protection, even at death, it is God who dispatches them, and we are not to worship them. For example, consider the exchange between John and an angel in Revelation. The apostle was so overwhelmed with the grandeur of heaven that he fell at the feet of the angel to worship him. The angel spoke and said, Do not do that. For I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God, Revelation 22 9 King James Version. Scripture clearly condemns the worship of angels, Colossians 2:18. Only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is worthy of our praise and worship. Jesus' Role in Heaven Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven, where He is interceding on our behalf. What exactly does this mean? The Bible says that God appointed His only Son, Jesus, as heir of all things, and when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, Hebrews 1 3 King James Version, as our High Priest and Advocate. The Bible says, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, 1 John 2 1. We may slip into sin, but we won't slip out of His hand. What a promise for believers! When one of His own stumbles, Jesus tells His Father, He repented. And I have forgiven Him. Or perhaps He says, Father, that dear lady belongs to me, her sins are covered by my blood. Jesus is the heir of heaven, and as His children we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Romans 8:17. Jesus prayed, I have given them the glory that you gave me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, John 17:22-23. While Christ reserves our place in heaven, our eternal life was won through his work at Calvary. Our acceptance in heaven, then, must be determined on earth, through repenting of sin and receiving Christ as our Savior and Lord. From heaven, the Lord also observes what is happening on earth. One of my favorite verses is just before Stephen died, he, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look! He said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen's accusers heard him say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, Acts 7 55-59. Stephen fell to the ground under the barrage of stones and cried, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Then, he fell asleep, verse 60. What conversation there must have been between father and son. No book is large enough to give a full account of Jesus' work, John 21-25. What matters most is that his work is complete, and our role in heaven will be to glorify him for what he has accomplished. We will marvel when we hear the rest of his story. Benefits of Death? The greatest benefit is that we will be free from all the pains and sorrows and evils of this life, and we will be safely in God's presence forever. He will wipe every tear away. Let me give an example of a life insurance policy. The same sort of transaction occurred at Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. No matter how wealthy a person may be, only one could pay the cost of eternal life and the benefits are guaranteed and held in the treasury of hope. The policy owner is the Lord Jesus Christ, the cost was His life's blood to redeem us from sin, the fully paid benefit is our assurance of eternal life in God's kingdom, redeemable to those who exchange a sinful heart for a forgiven heart. When those souls pass from death to new life, 
the faith of the things they hoped for is clearly seen, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Luke 12:34. God outlines His benefit package in His will for us. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up, John 6:40. emphasis added. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him, John 14:21. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, Revelation 2:7. I will give you the crown of life, Revelation 2:10. emphasis added. What will we look like in heaven? In 1 John 3:2, what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. What we look like in heaven is not stated in the Bible. The Bible does seem to state we will know each in heaven. Just as Moses and Elijah were recognized by the disciples who were witnesses of Jesus' transfiguration, Matthew 17 1-8. The Bible says for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, 1 Samuel 16:7 King James Version Part of heaven's glory is that our bodies will be transformed and we will become like Jesus Christ in his perfect resurrected body We won't be subject to the ills and ravages of old age like we are now for we will be changed It's not inconceivable then that God in heaven can perfect his children who bear his image without changing their individual uniqueness While the Bible doesn't say exactly what we'll look like it does tell us that our faces will reflect the face of our Redeemer. We, will see your face in righteousness. We, shall be satisfied when, we, awake in your likeness, Psalm 17:15. Heaven will not reflect our earthly desires, instead we will reflect Heaven's King, our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Greek language, the twinkling of an eye implies only half a wink, and that is the expression Paul used to describe how quickly God will transform our bodies at the resurrection. The Bible tells us that, at the end of the present age, one generation of believers will never know bodily death, namely, the generation that is still alive when Christ returns for His own. Jesus told the disciples during their last hours together before His death that He was going away. He then said, I will come back and take you to be with me, John 14 3. They will then join with believers from throughout the ages in the final resurrection, the instant when our mortal bodies will be transformed into the likeness of our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, Listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, 1 Corinthians 15 51-52. The dust that return to the earth in death will become heaven-bound life with Christ, in the twinkling of an eye. Thank you for listening to Bible Study Made Easy. May God bless you.